Hello, this is Sharon Levitt of the Tyndale Momentum book team at Tyndale House Publishers. I'm talking today with pastor and author Rusty George about his book, When You, Then God, Seven Things God is Waiting to Do in Your Life. Rusty has been in ministry for over 22 years and is the lead pastor of Real Life Church in Valencia, California, a multi-site church serving over 6,000 each weekend. When You, Then God is Rusty's first book. Hi, Rusty. Thanks for giving us a bit of your time to discuss your new book. Well, hello. Thank you for letting me. Oh, it's a joy. Yeah, I I really like your book. I enjoyed reading it. And I just have a few questions. Of course, um, we want people to read the whole thing. But in this little bit of time that we have, I'm just going to hit on some things that I saw. Uh, First of all, as a lead pastor of such a large congregation, how did you manage to write a book? And really, I guess the more important question is, what compelled you to make time to write it? Well, I'm still trying to figure out the answer to that one myself Uh as far as how I found time to do it. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot going on at the church, and my kids are are pretty active and uh, still at home, and so there's a lot of things to do. I think where it kind of began for me was it started as a a message series we did at our church. Uh Those always begin with things God's doing in my heart, but things that I see that people are longing for and missing in their own life. And I just began to put this idea together. It's had a variation of uh, a variety of titles, I should say. Uh, But finally came down to this idea of this partnership with God and what that looks like. And so I just felt compelled to do that. And in doing so, I realized that so much of my story was tied up in it as well. So once once I got to that point, I thought, well, I need to make time to do this. So a lot of it was done late at night. Uh, when everybody was asleep or early in the morning when everybody was asleep mm-hmm. or uh, the church is kind enough to give me a few weeks away uh, to work on it as well. Yeah, well, I imagine since you did the sermon series, you you knew it resonated with people after that. That's correct. Well, one thing I wondered about, somebody who just sees the title, When You Then God, you know, it is promising something really big you know if you could explain what that means like does it mean that if we do the right thing then God is bound to do what we ask Um, help me understand what the title means you know I grew up in a type of setting where uh, that kind of phraseology was uh, was never used because you didn't want to put God in a box you didn't want to restrict him you didn't want to act like it was a, uh, a contract Mm-hmm. But when you read through the Bible, there's a lot of times God is saying, you know, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. Or when you do this, then I'll do this. In fact, his whole relationship with the children of Israel is them wandering around trying to figure this out. Him waiting to bless them, but their, you know, resistance to participating with him. And I've just noticed in my church and the churches I visit uh, that there's just a lot of buyer's remorse for Christians today. Mm-hmm. That you have a group of people out there that feel like, wait a second, I was thinking that all my problems would be solved and everything would be perfect and my car would always start and my kids' teeth would be straight and everything would be great once I became a Christ follower. And it hasn't worked that way. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did I do wrong? What did God do wrong? 
And then I see another group of people that they're just exhausted because they're working so hard to try to make God happy with them, pleased with them, Mm -hmm. evident in their life. They think their blessing will come when they're dead and gone and get to go to heaven, if they're lucky enough to go there. Mm -hmm. And they have a sense of buyer's remorse of, man, this is more work than I Mm -hmm. thought it would be. And I think the, the, the combination of the two is, understanding this partnership with God, mm-hmm. that it's really more like a dance. Mm-hmm. And you see Paul talk about this in Philippians of he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And this work he started in you, he, he will continue to do. Mm-hmm. And it's this, uh, this idea of this partnership with him mm-hmm. where God initiates and it's up to us to join him. It's almost as if he says, let's dance, but, but we've got to go ahead and take that step to get out on the dance floor with him. That's the big risk involved. And when that happens, Mm -hmm. then we begin to see amazing things transpire. So I understand your question about are we, are we basically saying that it's formulaic and, you know, a formula that says if we do this, then God is forced to do something Mm -hmm. for us. But in some ways, God's the one that put the conditions out there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So he is inviting us in other words, Correct. Yeah. So, you know, um, one of the things that was interesting that uh, your book is about these seven things that God is uh, waiting to do in your life. And yet in the beginning of your book, you talk about jumping and you use it to illustrate trusting God. And um, can you talk a little bit about why you've already kind of hinted at that? Why is it essential that a person jumps? I think in my case especially, and I, and I see this in so many other people's life, we're interested in the promises that God will give us, but we're not all that interested in what that requires us to do to participate in it. Yeah. Uh, it's like we stand on the side of the pool and we're really interested in swimming. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to jump in. <laughs> so I try to take it from my own perspective of my wrestling with trusting God. I believed in God for a long, long time, as long as I can remember, and I believed he would do stuff for other people. I just wasn't so sure he'd do it for me. And I had this real fear factor of what can I really trust you to do? I think that's hurdle number one. Once we begin to trust him and to take that leap, Mm -hmm. then we see um, how trustworthy he is. I I love that that, – that old movie, it's old now, I'm dating myself, but uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where Indiana Jones gets to the, uh, you know, he's going to go find the Holy Grail, and he has to go out on over this great expanse, it's almost like a canyon, mm-hmm. but he has to take a step, and there's a bridge there, he just can't see it, and I just think about that so much with God. Uh, God is, is evident. God is near. He's put so many evidences of himself, but he's hidden himself just enough to require faith, which requires us to jump. Yeah. Um, and, and that jump for many of us is just the willingness to trust him. Yeah. And I, you know, think about, um, I always think about how uh, people get God mixed up with bad circumstances that happen their, happen in their life. Right. And, you know, you you think about the person who has been hurt, you know, maybe legitimately hurt by somebody in the church, and they've gotten God mixed up with um, somebody in authority at church. 
or they just had a bad life experiences and uh, don't trust that God is good. Is there a way that a person can get the courage to make that first step? I think it's it's beginning to see God for who he is and see his promises for what they are. Um, I think that we filter uh, our view of God through our earthly father, yeah. through bad church experiences, maybe good church experiences, mm-hmm. promises we've been given that didn't fulfill. And I think it comes back to what has God actually said to us? What has he actually promised us? Who is this person telling us to jump? And we see that so much, obviously, in the person of Jesus, but also through the scriptures, we just read who this God really is and what his, um, I guess, his invitation to us um, truly is. And I think that's another reason for the the book to be written, is I wanted to get back to what is it God has promised us? Mm -hmm. What is it God will do? And how do we see evidence of him pulling that off in people's lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so reading this book... One of the hopes is that they will get the courage to go ahead and and take that leap of trust. Um, yeah, and I love the idea of the partnering. You know, he invites us, and then we have a part in this too. And uh, one of the things that really resonated with me personally, which I just would love you to talk about for my own enrichment as well as the listeners, is this promise of when we walk with Jesus... God will help you look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? And talk about that a little bit. Right. I think for those of us who are kind of type A personalities, we love post-it notes and to-do lists and checking off boxes. We decide to follow Jesus, and then we look for the next checklist. Mm-hmm. All right, so what am I supposed to do? All right, read the Bible every day, check. Pray every day, <laughs> check. And then we, you know, after a period of time, and if you sit in church long enough, you walk out <laughs> with a long list of things you're supposed to do, which can be overwhelming and which can put your trust in your own efforts um, and make you feel like it's really just kind of a, a never-ending task list. The interesting thing about the way Jesus describes it is it's very organic. Um, it, it's this idea of, you know, he is a vine, we are the branches, I think about the the fruit, you know, that he's referring to. It doesn't really do a whole lot. It's just in the right proximity, Mm. and it receives its nutrients from the right place. Um, And so much of what we see in creation, we see it's just about its timing, and it's about being in the right place. And and when I have this conversation with people about what it means to become like Jesus, their default answer is always works. It's always, oh, I know, I need to read more, I need to study more, I probably got to go to seminary. Yet what Jesus says to do is remain. Mm -hmm. The one thing he tells us to do is just remain in me. And our time frame, especially in the culture in which we live, is so, so small. And yet God's time frame is so much different than ours for Joseph to see his his dream fulfilled, you know, 18 years later, for the children of Israel to wander 40 years, for the people of God to wait 400 years between the prophet and then Jesus. You know, our, our timetable is a little bit different, and so much of that is waiting, and that's just remaining in him. And that's when the fruit begins to develop, the, the, the patience, uh, the long-suffering, uh, and even the, uh, the gentleness and kindness we need to extend to others. So I think what happens is it's, it's a process, it's over time, but you put yourself in the right proximity in order to experience it. It's a little bit like going to sleep. 
Mm-hmm. You know, no one really forces himself to. You just put the, the conditions in play for it to happen. Yeah. And we all have our various routines to make that happen. And I think the same thing is true with becoming like Jesus. You keep putting things into place, but yet you let him do the work. Okay. So remaining in me on a practical level is um, being a part of a community um Tell me a little bit more about that. Remain in me. You know, we're not right. running around reading our, you know, doing. But what does right. that look like on a real practical level? Well, I think, you know, we see that with the church. The church would gather together mm-hmm. um, in the temple courts. They'd gather together in people's homes. They would live out their faith. Yeah. So you see a lot of doing, but you mm-hmm. see some time of reflecting. Mm-hmm. We see this through the Desert Fathers as they teach, to, as they teach mm-hmm. us about this idea of solitude. Yeah. You know, you think about the spiritual disciplines. If you're not careful, that can become a checklist. Yeah, right. But I think it's, you know, you discover kind of how, how you're wired, how you create time for you and God to be together, mm-hmm. and and just let that yeah. let that silence kind of overwhelm you at times. And yeah. then begin to see God throughout your day mm-hmm. rather than it just being, I did that this morning for 15 minutes and now mm-hmm. I'm on by myself. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, there there's hope in that that it doesn't it's this isn't something that happens overnight. Correct. Right. Correct. And we're so used to the instant uh fix, you know, but this is the long journey, right? That is right. And you know, you think about what the scriptures teach us about how God wants us to look. What it means to look like Jesus is to have the the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Here again, he uses an organic term. He uses fruit. That happens mm-hmm. over time. Yes. I remember my, my kids, when they were much younger, uh, we ate an apple. They took the seed and said, let's go plant an apple tree, and they put it out in the backyard, and the next <laughs> uh-huh. day they expected it to be yeah. there. <laughs> right, right. And we're the same way. We just yeah. expect, okay, I've been doing this for a few days now. I shouldn't have that temptation anymore. I should yeah. have a more of a passion for the lost. Right. I, yeah. I should be more uh, yeah. joyful and loving. And yeah. it, just, it just doesn't happen that way. No, but if we have that desire and we keep going back to him, then he, that's why he doesn't do it instantaneously, right? He wants us, he wants us to be in intimacy with him. Again, it comes back to that dance idea. Yes, um, it, I love it's that. Not, uh, it's not a quick song. It's a long one. So yep. enjoy the ride along the way. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things I really loved about your book is that it's filled with examples who have, have taken God at his words, and then they've experienced God in this whole new way that you're talking about, this partnership, this dance. And I just wonder if you could just share one of your favorite stories with listeners to whet their appetite for more. Mm, wow. I, I immediately think of our um, the people in our church that decided to take God up on his promise of when you invest in God's kingdom, then he invests in yours. And there, there again, that title sounds a little strange. Do we have a kingdom? Well, we have things we care about. Mm-hmm. And God gives us this principle of tithing and giving back to God as a way to show that you know, we've partnered with him. I just think about numerous stories in our church of just crazy things that have happened once people have taken God up on that idea. And it's not always financial. Sometimes it is. You know, the story of the guy who in our church who gave a check, uh, you know, to basically catch up on his tithe. The next day he gets called into the office and 
HR says, uh, we forgot to pay you for your vacation last year you yeah. didn't take, and it's the exact amount he gave yeah. the day before. Yeah. You know, crazy stories like that. But then there's also stories of, you know, people get serious about their finances with God, and then they see God show up with longevity, uh, a roof or an air conditioner or a dishwasher or a car. They see God show up with um, business that begins to pour in that they didn't have before, or just the peace of mind and comfort that they'd never known before, and they no longer worry and fight about money. I hear that from couples a lot. Uh-huh. When we got serious about tithing, we stopped fighting about money. I think, man, if that's the only thing you get out of it, you you got one of the greatest gifts you've ever received because yeah. that's right. one of the number one reasons for divorce. Yep. So that's right. Well, you know, I think about those initially because I just heard heard those so, so many times and continue to get emails from people of we didn't believe it but we tried it and God showed up <laughs> that's great that's wonderful um, you know speaking of the church and what do you do you think that um, the book would be best used individually or I'm I know it would be well used either way but what about doing it as a group discussion I always find that works best. I think you're you're more uh, likely to read if you know you've got to talk about it. You know, once a week. Yeah. Um, I think you're more likely to try to find insights that might be helpful for yourself and other people. So you know, we encourage people to get in groups and and read the material together and then discuss it. There's a study guide in the back that will help you do that. Um, you know, I think it's a great. Um, opportunity for even a weekend series uh, for a pastor to preach through the material and and uh, talk about you know his own examples of participating with God, and just creates good conversation. The stories I shared with you just even about finances, you know those need to be told in group settings because right. it encourages those who have yet to see God's hand in faithfulness right. yet, just right. yet. That maybe it could happen for me too if I did. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I, I think yeah. that's the beauty of the church is when I, my faith is low and I'm around you and your faith is strong, mm-hmm. uh, you help raise the level of my right. faith. It augments it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. totally agree. Well, uh, just here my final question. What is your biggest dream for those that do pick up the book? There's lots of books out there, but mm-hmm. you, you offer a big promise here. So what is your biggest dream for the book, for the reader? I think my biggest dream is to discover what I discovered, and that is I think many of us look at the Bible as um, either a bunch of thou shouts and we feel very condemned or very less than. Or we look at the Bible as a bunch of empty promises, that it's just not really you know, going to happen. Yeah. But once you begin to discover that it's an invitation and that we can par- partner with God, then it brings about a real soul-searching question, and that is, do I trust God? Mm. Do I trust that he'll come through with these things? Yeah. And I'll tell you where it led me was I had a real moment of soul searching of do I even believe God loves me? Yeah. And that I talk about that a lot, especially in the first yeah. chapter, mm-hmm. um, because that was kind of this aha moment for me. Here I am, a pastor. I'm telling everybody God loves them. I'm just not sure if I, if I believed it for myself because yeah. I knew my inadequacies. I knew mm-hmm. where I was lacking, and I just thought, I know God knows that. I just don't think he's all that interested in me. Mm -hmm. And once I began to accept that, then I had the courage to go ahead and jump. And then as I did, it was almost a domino effect of, oh, I can trust you with this. Well, then I'll trust you with this. And it just created this dance that I'm so happy to be involved with now. And I'd love for everybody to experience that. 
Yeah, because of the ripple effect from that. When something Correct. that wonderful happens, you have to tell other people. Exactly. And, and I think, if, you know, if we go back to what's my dream for this. I think there's so many people out there in the church that believe that God loves others, just not them, yeah. because they know who they are. And especially in our Facebook world where we, we see everybody else's highlight reel on Facebook, yeah. right. but we're living with our own blooper reel of the yeah. mistakes we've made. Right. And we just think that's all God sees. But if you could finally know that God really loves you, you'd be interested in going on this journey with him. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to end. So thank you for your time. And listeners, uh, to learn more about Rusty and the new book, when, when You Then God, visit his website. Um, it's www.whenyouthengod.com. And you can order When You Then God now online. Check out Rusty's website, as I just said. And it'll, and it'll be available on all websites, Amazon, and in your uh, brick-and-mortar stores in April. So thanks for your time, Rusty. It's been a real joy. Thank you so much. Okay.